If you're here today and you're wondering, do we take prayer seriously, the answer is yes. And so if you have something on your heart, on your mind that you want to have someone pray for, please make that known to us. And we would love to have that privilege to pray with you and alongside you uh, with that. And glad you're here today. Thanks for braving the, uh, the winter storm of Florida. All 48 hours of it. And uh, that's kind of how it goes, right? Um, man, excited to be continuing in our series. Last week we talked, uh, we began as we continue in Acts and walking through this book. And we, we, we talked last week about the coming of the Holy Spirit and, and the lighting up the church, the very beginning of the church. And, and someone said to me this week, it's like, isn't it interesting that Peter was at the center of all of this? And the answer is absolutely. It is absolutely interesting that Peter is at the, the, the forefront of this movement. And why do I say that? Because it was, it was Peter, if, we, if you've read the New Testament, if you've read a lot about his life, you know he's kind of a, got himself into some situations. It was Peter who was the first one to step out of the boat to walk to Jesus, but then quickly took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. It was Jesus, I mean, it was Peter who did all kinds of things, who, who drew his sword upon a guard of the high priest, only to be told to holster his weapon. And then in one of those head-shaking moments, Jesus was like Peter and picked the guy's ear up and put it back on his head and, and moved on. It was, it was Peter who, who said, we need to establish and an erect tabernacles to remember Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, only to later in silent fear fall down before the glory of God, realizing who is truly God in his life. And it was Peter who, who boastfully said, I will never deny you, Jesus, in front of everyone. When everybody else lets you down, I will be with you. And then turned around and later denied Jesus three times. Yes, that was the Peter that we're talking about in, in today in this passage. But through his ups and downs, we know that, that Jesus remained his loyal and, and faithful friend. Jesus remained his loyal and faithful mentor and, and discipler, if you will, because Jesus reaffirmed Simon as Peter the rock through all of this. And then later on, he, he, he recognizes that Peter, even after the resurrection, he realized that Peter is someone who needs to hear the gospel. And then after that, after the uh, kind of a, a, almost a, a recreation of the, the miracle of the, of the big catch of fish, he pulls Peter aside and he, he says, you are going to be instrumental in the beginning of my church. And I wonder what must have been going through Peter's mind when he said that to him. And he made a special point of forgiving and restoring Peter in front of the others, and he, he reestablished him as an apostle. He said, Peter, God's not done with you yet. Peter, your work is not done yet. God is going to use you. And that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to look at Peter's first sermon. This is the first sermon in the church, and this is Peter's first sermon. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2 and verses 12 and following. We're going to look at uh, Peter's first sermon this morning, and, and I think about that. I think about Peter's first sermon, and I think about my first sermon. As you're turning there, I was, I was at the age of, uh, the, the ripe age of 19, young theologian that I was, uh, when I was called to preach, uh, the interim youth pastor with our church that I was growing up in had this thing called Youth Week. And what they would do is they would invite students to come and to shadow the ministry leaders, the pastors, the staff, and, and for a day they got to shadow just to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at what actually goes on in the church. It was really cool 
gave a lot of perspective. So I got asked by an interim youth pastor at the time, said, hey, we want you at the, you know, there was, a, there was a Sunday night service at the culmination at the end of that week, and we want you to preach that service on that Sunday night. I was like, wait a minute, you got the wrong guy. That's not, no. How about, what about this guy? He's, he's older than I am. He's the guy that's kind of discipling me right now. What about him? That's, that's your guy. He said, well, we, we talked to him, and he said, he said, you're the guy. I said, no, 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 I'm not the guy. Believe me, I'm not the guy. The guy you want is the guy that, that just graduated college. Our church is about to send him off into ministry, and in fact, he's getting ready to go to seminary. That's your guy. So we talked to him, too. He's had the opportunity before. He says, you're, you're up. So, okay, so I know you're an interim youth pastor. You may not know how this works. So why don't you and I go have a conversation with a pastor? I'm sure he's got somebody circled that he's been working with, someone he's been bringing along, someone that's way better qualified than I do. He said, oh, I had lunch with the pastor today, Rob. He said he wants you. It's like, oh, man. So this is a lot of pressure. You know, my dad is like the, the chairman of the deacons at the time, and, and my mom's on staff full-time as the evangelism and missions and outreach coordinator. I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. I'm not your guy. He's like, you're the guy. So... I ended up being the guy. And so that day comes, that weekend comes, it was, it was a lot of fun, and, and that big Sunday night comes. The night before, I'd been hanging out with my friends a little bit, and I said, hey, you guys better show up. And then you guys better say something. You better say go or amen or something, because I have no idea how this is going to go. And so we get there, and I'm, I'm just shaking in my boots, right? And so I, I get up there, and I open. I taught from Genesis chapter 22. You know what that story is? Yeah. Why would you, right? So it's, but it's the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? And so I, it's just a, just a real basic story. So I taught from that and just made some application points and stuff. And then at the end, um, we're getting towards the end of the service. And all of a sudden, at the, the balcony, it was a little closer than ours was. Uh, all of a sudden, over the balcony, I'll see these letters start flipping over and hanging from the balcony. It was A-M-E-N. And then my friend pops up and was like, like this. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of speaking and this is happening. I was like, oh, cool. He's, he's encouraging me. Or is he telling me, like, yo, bro, we got to go. Like, just say amen already. Like, I couldn't figure out what he was trying to, wanted to say. And so I, ended, I didn't even know what to do at the end. I just, we ended the sermon, and, and I called people to, to pray about what, what, what step of faith that God would call them to. And, and so I just, I just went down myself and, uh, and just began to pray on the, uh, along the altar. And, and then some songs played. I remember that. And, and, then, and then there was this, this response, whatever. And then, um, and then someone had their arm around, put their arm around me, and I, I looked up, and my pastor's standing on the stage. He's got tears coming down his eyes. And I was like, oh, man, was it that bad? I was like, gosh. But he called me up. He was super encouraging. I remember getting up on stage and looking back, and I remember like half the congregation had come forward to pray. I was like, wow. And I'm seeing people in the service that I had no idea were even going to be there. Like people, I had a, had a lawn maintenance like business I had started up and whatever. There was customers that were there that night to hear, hear me preach. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and there's, my, there's my 9 to 12-year-old basketball team. All of them showed up, and some of them had come forward. And, and, and just I was just overwhelmed that God used me to even have even a part of that? I mean, I, all I did was just read the passage and just offer some, some challenges. And I remember that coming away from that experience and wondering, like, God, how did you use just regular, everyday old, I'm just the guy that shows up to mow your lawn, Rob, <laughs> to do anything like that? That wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit of God moving. That wasn't me. But that's what I came away with that experience. I wonder if that's what Peter was thinking. Like, God, are you sure you want me? You saw all my failures. I mean, we have a highlight reel of Peter's failures, right? But God wasn't through with him yet. And God made him at the forefront. 
of this movement. And I want to remind us today that this is not an event that we're talking about. This is the beginning of a movement. So let's read in Acts chapter 2, verse 12 and following. It says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. How's that for an opening line of a sermon, right? <laughs> Welcome to Jerusalem Community Church. It's 9 a.m. and uh, we're not drunk. I don't think I've ever been in a church where that's how, how the service started. But he goes on in verse 16 and he says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, before we get into to, to the sermon, the meat of the sermon here for Peter, I want us to look at something because this is where things started to change for Peter. Things started to come together for Peter because he's, he's realizing that this is, this is different. But this isn't like before. This isn't a knee-jerk reaction that he's a part of. This isn't a, a, an act first and think second moment. No, he is being obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. That's what's empowering him to stand up and speak in this moment. This changes everything. I don't know if you've ever seen that, that book title. It's called The Spirit in You is Better Than Jesus Beside You. First time I heard that, I was like, hold on a second. That can't be right. I'd rather much have Jesus right here and take care of a lot of things, right? The Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside you. That's what Peter's realizing here. That the Spirit is now in him. And the Spirit in all of us believers is better than Jesus standing next to a few of us. And, and the power that goes out from there. And this changes everything. I don't know if you know who Hudson Taylor is. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to uh, China. And he started the, the China Inland Movement, um, the China Inland Mission, sorry. And uh, he was, it was a real catalyst movement, not only for the Christian movement, but also for, uh, for the, just the country and its culture there in China. And, and he was writing this book. It's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And, the, and you get into the meat of the book, and basically what he's saying is like what we're talking about today. He discovered he discovered that there was a, a time in his life where he realized that Christianity is not about doing a bunch of things for Jesus. It's about the Spirit living inside him. Listen, listen to what he says. Taylor Roy says, It is joy to feel Jesus living in you, to find your heart, to find your heart all taken up by him, to be reminded of his love by his seeking communion with you at all times, not by your painful attempts to abide in him. He is our life, our strength, our salvation. I am no longer anxious about anything, for Jesus I know is able to carry out his will, and his will is mine. It makes no matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider than for me. For in the easiest position, he must give me his grace, and in the most difficult position, his grace will be sufficient. So if he should place me in great perplexity, must not he give me much guidance? In positions of great difficulty, much grace will he give me? In, cir in circumstances of great pressure and trial, much strength. I have no fear that the resource of Jesus will be unequal to the emergency, and his resources are mine, for he is mine and is with me, and he dwells in me. Man. As I was wrestling with this passage, even weeks ago, I told, told the other pastors this, man, I'm just wrestling. This is my prayer. This has been my prayer for, for my life, 
This has been my prayer for this congregation that, 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 that we would begin to, to seek out that type of relationship. That, that, that we, would, we would seize the opportunity that God has given us this year to step into things that we have not even dreamed of yet. And yes, it can be risky, but it's worth the ride. And what, Jesus, what Peter is doing here, he is stepping into risky and standing up empowered by the Holy Spirit in this moment. And my prayer is that, we, that, that God would help us see that Jesus is in us, that his resources are, are our resources, that his life is our life. Better than Jesus beside us is Jesus in us, living through us, changing the world around us. Because we are ordinary people with this extraordinary power, with the ability to tell an extraordinary story that will change everything for a lot of people. It was promised. Jesus promised this in, in the book of Luke. Look, he said, we have extraordinary power to obey and share God's word. This is, this is what he said in 24, uh, chapter 24. He says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would, would suffer, should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning where? From Jerusalem. Where are they hanging out when this started in Acts? Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Do you see that language? The good news of the gospel will be proclaimed by witnesses. That's you. That's me. We're empowered to do that. Watch this, 49, verse 49 says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Which is exactly what we just read in Acts 1 and 2 these past weeks. The Spirit comes upon them. And what's promised is the first, what's the first thing to do when the Spirit comes up? They begin to witness. They begin to speak who Jesus is and what he has done. These are words. Listen to me. These are words that speak life. And you and I have the ability to empower people with that. The Holy Spirit has empowered us, and we have the ability to share that. For Peter, this must have been the most life-changing and life-bringing experience. Why? Because now he's seeing that what Jesus had promised is starting to actually happen. That what Jesus promised him, that he would be a part of the initial start of Jesus' church, that God is actually using him, this must have been life-bringing for him. This must have helped erase all those doubts that he ever had. I mean, Peter was the guy who was the most loyal follower of Jesus in one moment, and then the next moment he's saying, I don't know him. I can relate to Peter. I think the, the reason we can relate so much to Peter is what he went through. The doubts, the fears... But yet here he is, he's taking a risk. That the, 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 so the Holy Spirit empowering him to stand up. And it's in this holy power that he stands up to, to preach this word. And he starts by quoting an old, I mean, he, he goes for the DH like immediately. <laughs> he, he's like, we're going to hit the home run first. And so right at the beginning of the sermon, he's like, oh, I'm going I'm to quote an Old Testament prophet. That's what I'm going to do. And he does so with incredible power. Watch this. But I want us to see something here. Where, in, where does he quote? He quotes the prophet Joel. From where? It's from Joel chapter 2. If you, if you have your Bible, there's probably a little note down there. let you know that. And, and so I want to put up a side-by-side -side screen. We're going to see how Peter did, like quoting this Old Testament prophet, all right? We're going we're to grade him here in a second, all right? So here's, here's uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. All right, let's see how Peter did. Acts 2, 17. And in the last days it shall be... 
God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Okay. So he switched the order of those last two, right? So, but it's still kind of this, this is just the same thing, right? So we're, you know, we're not going to hold that against him, right? It's his first sermon, right? So we're not going to mark him off for that. But look, let's, go, let's see how he does in the next part. Joel 2, 29 says, Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And then Peter, quoting him, says in Acts 2, 18, Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, comma, and they shall prophesy. Hold on a second. And they shall prophesy. Peter, you just added to the word of God. But hold on, before we mark him off for that, maybe there's a reason that he's just added something. If you look back during the day of Joel, when he was prophesying, in, in, in Joel's day in the Old Testament, were there many of God's people that were prophesying? No, it's just the, the known prophets, right? Like Joel, Isaiah, Ezekiel. And these guys, right? So there was only a few of them. Now, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. The Holy Spirit has entered. Now, in Acts chapter 2, is it just a few of God's people that are prophesying? Or is it everyone? It's everybody. Everybody. Just what Jesus promised us in, 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 in the earlier in Scripture that we just read, that everybody will be giving witness. Everybody will be prophesying and telling how great Jesus is. And that's what Peter is trying to say, that this is, this is it, that we are empowered with the Holy Spirit. This is who God is through us. Do you know what this means? That if all of us as believers, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are all prophets. How's that feel? Right? I just upgraded your seat for free. You're a prophet. That's what we are. But, but before you say like, oh, Great, Rob. Now I get to just run around and, and prophesy weird things on people, right? Like before you, before you go there, let's ask the question, what is the job of a prophet? And so we look at this and we, before, uh, we look at it, the job of a prophet is what? To speak what God has said. Speak what you know that God has said. That's the job of a prophet. Sometimes, guess what? That's going to be good news. Sometimes, not so good news. And that's where Peter was. He's delivering great news. But then on the other hand, guess what he's delivering? Some realistic news. That if people don't change directions, their future is in danger. Their eternity is in danger. What was the message that, 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 that we're supposed to prophesy? What's the message that he's giving? The message is simple. It hasn't changed. In 2,000 years, the message is still the same. That he loves sinners, that God loves sinners, that he gave his son to die. And he offers eternal life in heaven. For those that will believe, that's the message. So that repentance and forgiveness will be preached to all the nations. That's the message. And you and I are prophets to speak that very word on behalf of God. So every single one of us, me and you, who have placed our faith in Christ, we are prophets. We are witnesses. We are testifiers of what God is doing in our life and who Jesus is forever. Don't underestimate this. You have an extraordinary power living within you through your words, through your empowered speech to change the trajectory of someone's life for eternity. That's heavy. That's weighty. But this is what Peter is speaking in. And Peter is speaking words. Sometimes the words are good. Sometimes they're words that cut deep. Look at, continue in Acts chapter 2, verse 
36 through 40. And after Peter gives a shout out to David, who also testifies how God, how good God is and that God was faithful to do what he said he was going to do. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So this is the crowd that Peter's talking to, and he's telling them these things, and, he, and then they ask him a question. Hey, what should we do? And before anybody can answer, Peter gives them literally a millisecond, and then he jumps on the answer. Look at the next verse. Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Whoa, that is pretty bold, Peter. Who are you to offer forgiveness in the name of the Father? Who gave you the authority to do that? And he says, he goes on, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we ask that question, what authority does Peter have to say this, to offer this? It's, in the authority, it's by the authority of God. He is speaking on behalf of God. That's what he's doing. And now, now he's starting to understand it himself. And he's just being obedient to the, to the Holy Spirit. And you and I have to do the same thing. We have to be obedient. When the Holy Spirit calls us to do something, we just have to do it. When the Holy Spirit tells us to step into a conversation, we just have to be obedient and do it. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to stop and take care of this person, we just have to do it. I mean, it's risky business. Have you ever, have you ever been around someone, lived with someone, who, who lives a life that's very sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit? It can be a wild ride. I, I married a person like that. And, and, and that's the thing I love so much about my wife, Audra, is that she is so sensitive to what the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit is calling her to do. And I'm telling you, sometimes it is a wild ride. I mean, just picture this. I imagine it, I tell this all the time, I imagine it's like we're going down the road and I'm sitting in the pastor's seat looking at my phone. All of a sudden, we're off the side of the road doing something and I'm buckling my seatbelt and hanging on for a deer ride because she's that sensitive to, to God's leadership. So are you sure? Man, this is a safer path over here. She's like, yeah, but that's not where we're supposed to go. Better tighten up that belt. Better hang on to that bar up there. This is going to be a wild ride. And you know what? I'd never, I, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Because sometimes following the leadership of the Holy Spirit is risky business. It's risky. It's going to cost us relationships sometimes. It's going to cost us, might even cost us a job. It's going to cost us something. And, and, and Peter gets to the point in his life, he's like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to be faithful to this word I'm going to speak what God has told me to speak. And people can follow me or they can be left behind. Now, Peter obviously cared about people or he wouldn't be in this situation. But he steps out because this time he knows it's different. This time he knows it's being led by the Holy Spirit. And what's cool is that on that day, one man was faithful to the obedience of the Holy Spirit one man stood up and spoke when God told him to stand up and speak, and 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Here's the great thing. That was not an event. That was the beginning of a movement, and that same spirit is moving in this church today, moving in our community today, move, living in, and is real in our world today. And I think the deal is, is we've just got comfortable. We check our boxes. We think we're not qualified. God's like, no, I want to use every single one of you. All you ordinary, regular, everyday robs. I want to use you to do something. Are you willing? You may not feel qualified like Beth's story, but are you willing? 
to step into risky, to step into the wild ride that the Holy Spirit has waiting for you. By the end of the inaugural sermon, supposedly in Acts 2, 3,000 people had come to know Jesus. Now, if you're probably ahead of me. That's a 2,500% increase in growth. Not bad for a church start, right? Pretty, first, pretty good first day for a church start. 2,500% growth. That's incredible. Now, I just did some numbers in my head, and I thought, if, if together, together we're all gathered, worshiping together, and we're 1,000 strong, just for even numbers. That would mean that, that at the end of the day, there would be 25,000 people lined up to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen? I've never seen anything like that in my life. I want to. I pray that. I pray that we would live on the edge. Historians went on to go on to say that Christianity grew by 40% every decade for like the next, next three centuries. The total population of Christians by 350 AD was like 33 million people. And they started with 120. And it didn't take too long for a couple centuries, three centuries, and they were over half the Roman Empire. Makes me wonder, what would that look like in our life today? And I'm looking over this body of believers that are here presently right now, and I'm looking over, and I'm looking at you folks online. What would it be like if we took our empowered words and stepped into conversations this week? What would that look like? And we finally had that conversation with that person that we've been working with for 10 years. And we finally had that conversation with that family member that we've been praying for for all of these years. And with that neighbor that we don't know yet, and that stranger we've not met yet. What if our empowered words went with us this week? What would that look like for this church? What would that look like for us? Next week we're having baptisms out here. Hopefully it'll be a little warmer. I can't promise anything, but, uh, but I will promise it will be warmer. What would that look like if all of a sudden we went out this week and we were empowered in our words and we, we invited and we spoke and we testified and we witnessed who Jesus was in our life to these people? We asked them, how can I pray for you? And do you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ? What would that look like? How would that change our world here at Northland Church? Oh, it's risky. Those conversations are hard. There's, some, there's conversations with family members that I still need to have that I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's hard. This, this is going to be uncomfortable. This may change things. What if? What if we were spirit-led this week and we focused on just our empowered words, changing the trajectory of people's lives this week? What would that look like? Let's pray. You may be in this room this, this day and, and, and realizing God has placed someone on your mind. Maybe in these next moments, you just need to come forward and, and specifically pray for them. God, open up a door for a conversation this week. For my neighbor, for my classmate, for my teammate, who is it God has placed on your mind that you need to speak life into this week? That family member, that person that's, that God has placed in your room, maybe you need to come forward and pray for them in these next few moments. Father, we come today and we, <laughs> we proclaim your word and its truth. Father, they used ordinary people and through your extraordinary power 
changed ordinary lives and made them extraordinary. God, may we have the, the faith of Peter to step out on that limb, to step out on that branch and say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit, I will follow. God, may we buckle up this week and hang on for the wild ride that you are calling us to do, that you are calling us to make this week. Oh, I pray for the people in this room. I pray that upon my own life. Lord, that we would be even more sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit this year. God, change us, mold us, make us into who you want us to be. Ready to go at a moment's notice. Ready to speak words of truth, words of life that can change people forever. We pray this in your name. Amen.